0: The program, and I'm very honored to have somebody who is a dear friend, somebody I look up to and respect. But he's also a nationally recognized political commentator and uh, a marketing consultant. He regularly appears on Fox News, on OANN. Uh, Craig's been all over he's talking about educating people on politics, on marketing, and on voting our values. He's got a brand new book out called The Christian Voter Seven Non Negotiables for Voting for not against your values and uh, craig ewe is also by the way the president of JudgeVoterGuide.com, craig and electionforum.org craig ewe welcome to the program sir
1: hey todd it's great to be with you
0: it's great to be with you and you know whenever i have you on a program there's always so much you're doing it's hard to fit it into a couple of seconds because <laughs> you're a very busy individual and we're now in the you know less than 40 days from probably the most important election of our lifetime. And I want to talk about your brand new book, but first I, I have you on the show on a very important day. So President yeah. Donald Trump uh, has just been uh, diagnosed, and him and his wife, they, they tested positive for coronavirus. I just wanted to get you on the record first and foremost. What do you think about that? How's it going to affect the election?
1: Well, it's huge, because it's going to affect it greatly. The problem is, of course, we don't know if it's going to be positive or negative. Right. And uh, with God, all things are possible. And, and uh, uh, we're, we're trusting the Romans 8.28 that uh, things are going to turn out good on this. And, and here's the thing. Uh, you could come up with all kinds of scenarios about what has happened and what's going to happen. You know, here's, here's a candidate. If you can imagine the pressure of a candidate running for office and being told that for probably 14 days you can't go out on the campaign trip. Mm. You, you, you've got, to, you know, number one issue is the economy and the economic turnaround and who can do that best. And all of a sudden, all the attention is on coronavirus and lockdowns and mass and, uh, and, and what's happening with the president. You know, so you've got all these different diversions from what was intended to be an aggressive campaign. So from from a standpoint of an election,
0: this is not good. But we don't know what's going to happen. That's right. I mean, with Donald Trump, you never know. He could always (laughs) have something up his sleeve here. Right. Uh, We are praying for his health and, of course, his well-being. And the man has so much energy. He's on the campaign trail every day in different cities, holding his rallies. Uh, He kind of did some changes and started having them at airports. But the crowds have been amazing. And, uh, you know, I know that you had spoke a while back about a V-shaped recovery. How do you feel in looking at the economy and what's happened the last few months?
1: Well, I have an economic background, and I study the economy closely. And the jobs number has just come out. It's further proving there will be a V-shaped economic recovery, which that means is the economy is taking off. Jobs are taking off. opportunities taking off. Businesses are reopening. But here's the big problem. In the jobs report that came out, the unemployment rate now has dramatically dropped. Yeah, Because of the pandemic, it's been economically devastating. And and, uh, all of a sudden, this massive decline in unemployment, people getting back to work, the economy recovering, but in the blue states and the states run by socialist democratic governors like Illinois and New York, California, these states have huge high unemployment and their economy is horrific. And thousands of businesses are going out of business. Hmm. It's in the uh, pro freedom states where they are opened up and people are back to work. Those are the ones taking off. So the recovery we're seeing is, is being hindered and stopped, Todd, yeah. by these Democrat pro-socialist governors in lockdown states.
0: Yeah, and you, and you bring up a good point, Craig, and I've heard you speak in, in you know, several places about how your son moved out to Tennessee and uh, you know, there was a better conditions for the business. You wanna go into that a little bit about your personal experience as a small business owner.
1: Well, as a small business owner, when I started the company, It was economic opportunity in California. Yeah. But since then, what has happened has been devastating. The taxes, the regulations make it impossible to operate a business. And so, what you've found, what we find is that we have people leaving in mass 5.5 businesses every week are leaving. Wow. You got millions of people leaving California. Um, They passed a bill uh, where As an ad agency, I would hire freelance copywriters and freelance artists. And Todd, freelance account executives, a variety of people, freelance. In California, that's illegal now. Mm. That's just one of the crazy laws that make it impossible to operate. So I moved the entire business uh, from Torrance, California, to Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, it's the best move I've ever had. Its uh, amount of savings is huge, and the company is able to take off and grow and, and, and really provide people with jobs and opportunity.
0: That's right, and you're you're far from alone. Large corporations have been moving out in the droves, also from California, and uh, so you know they, we're going to continue to follow this. But this is just—it's an epidemic almost, where uh, we've never seen so many people leaving in the droves from a state to go to red states, like you mentioned. And uh, I just pray they don't bring those values with them. I think that's what a lot of people are concerned about. Do you think that will happen? Well, it is happening, and and too many people—all they have been educated in
1: is socialism they haven't been educated in what free enterprise is what our constitution is the history of our republic they don't have an understanding of freedom they they they're, they're growing up and being taught relativism and being taught that government is the answers to every problem they're being taught to act on emotion not rationality and that there's no truth it's all relative And so as people are, you know, in their 20s and 30s and 40s having been taught this, they're looking around at states like Illinois and California and New York and saying, we can't raise a family here. We we can't afford this. We can't. We don't have opportunity here. And they leave and they bring the same voting patterns with them and, and, and which, is horrific so no matter what state you're in whether it's arizona or texas or tennessee or florida those people who have been there a while who vote proper values they go we don't want these people coming right. my wife todd was at a uh, gas station and the person saw the california license plate yeah came up to her and said uh you you from california she's yeah i just moved here and you looked at her sternly, you better not have brought your values to the voting well, <laughs> Yeah, you know, He was like, really intense. She said, no, no, don't worry.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's, we've had the same experience. And, uh, you know, I don't blame, I mean, look, now as a resident of Tennessee myself, I, I feel the same way. You know, We don't want to see, uh, we're seeing Facebook coming out here, some of these big corporations that are bringing a lot of leftist employees. And it is concerning, Craig. And uh, I want to shift gears because you've been on the forefront of uh, something called ballot harvesting. And, uh, you know, I've uh, been talking about it for a while. There's many interviews that people can find of you talking about this on Fox, on different uh, programs. But there's something different in this election. And we're seeing not only ballot harvesting, but now a plethora of mail-in ballots. And I am extremely concerned about this. And I think there's probably no one better to speak to this than you. What, are your, what is your take on this whole thing?
1: Well, Todd, I know the post office very well. I mailed over a billion pieces of direct mail for my clients over the years. Wow. Won 74 awards for different types of direct mail campaigns. So I know the post office and I can tell you this, that the post office is, is not hindered by the amount of mail-in ballots going out. They're hindered by ineffic- inefficiencies of a bureaucracy
0: yes.
1: that is out of control by unions that have featherbedded and and basically uh, are a political arm of the Democratic Party, not a, a, a workforce that's uh, got its aim at working well. You know what, Todd? Here, there's so many dangers with what's going on now in stealing an election. Right. Stealing an election because uh, what the post office can do, um, as hard as it tries – what it can do is uh, uh, kind of censor ballots going in to Republican households or, or identifiable conservatives or identifiable Christians. What it can do is if it knows the mail is going uh, uh, to a certain group of people, they don't get the mail. Hmm. It, you know, here, here's what we're telling people to do, because so many states now have simply mailed out the ballot to everyone they need to mail that ballot in 10 to 12 days before the election. They need number two to make sure the signature on the ballot matches the signature they had when they actually signed up uh, as a, as a voter for some people who, you know, have been um, voting for a long time. They, they probably don't even remember what their signature looks like wow. but this election. These all are going to be contested and, if they have the opportunity and they, they, they're physically able, they should take that ballot that they get in the mail, Yes. take it to the poll, Yes. hand it to the people. That way they know it gets there, they know it's going to be counted, and they don't have to worry about it. That's the safest way to do it.
0: That's right. And you uh, wrote a report in face on Facebook. They're doing some type of manipulation, you said, on your report, uh, the reality report. Yeah. What type of manipulation is Facebook and Google and some of these other tech companies doing? Oh,
1: Todd, it's really a sad situation, but um, they're trying to manipulate the election. Wow. So I'm just going to give you a few examples real quick. Google is censoring any type of conservative, libertarian, or Christian viewpoints on a topic. You take the Supreme Court nomination. You take coronavirus. You take... Um, Uh, mass you take any issue and you do a search on google all you're going to get is a pro-socialist anti-christian type of news media oh you'll see cnn and msnbc you'll see time and newsweek you'll you'll see the liberal press but you're not going to see other points of view unless you go down 20 or 30 pages you could i i can write an article in my newsletter todd Hmm. And you could type it into Google hmm. and they censor it, and they won't even let it be seen in a search. That's right. Facebook is, is uh, blocking out uh, videos, blocking out content, sending up pictures, warning this is inaccurate. YouTube, censoring video after video after video. I have over 100,000 people who subscribe to my newsletters. Yeah. And Todd, what's happening right now, is that the ISP, Comcast, we've identified it as Comcast. Comcast is taking anybody who's part of their ISP when
0: they get the newsletter and they click on a link, yeah, it's censored. Oh my goodness. So now the Internet server, service providers themselves. The service are, providers are now censoring. Oh wow, it's outrageous. You know, it's like the tech oligarchs are imposing socialism even outside of the uh, electoral system. So how do we get around this when even, you know, we're not even voting these people in, Craig?
1: Yeah. Well, I I think it gets back a lot to the pastors and the churches, because the communication is being tightened and squeezed in such a way that there's not a free press. Yeah. And, and, And quite frankly, what you're doing and what others are doing independent of big tech, that's absolutely essential. Um, There will be competitors to Google and Facebook and and what have you. But until that day arrives right now, we're basically um, uh, being manipulated by big tech and, and really uh, it's hard to get the truth and it's getting harder and harder. And believe me, As the election gets closer, Facebook, Google, and YouTube, and probably the ISPs, they're going to get much more tough. They're going to censor much more. They hope that their censorship will manipulate
0: the 2020 election. I believe it. And, you know, we just got done watching the first uh, presidential debate, and there's been a lot of people talking about this debate. Uh, Some people felt President Trump won, others felt he performed poorly. I wanted to get your take on it, Craig, and how you think uh, it all evolved into, did he benefit? Did he kind of remain the same? Did it get worse for him? What happened uh, for President Trump?
1: Well, here's the thing. A lot of people can't stand President Trump's style, his wording, uh, his his attitude, his actions, the way he comes across, but when they look at his policy versus Joe Biden's, they they cannot go for Joe Biden. That's right. And and uh, I got a letter from uh, a Christian leader, and he said that he was going to go for Biden because he was too upset with the uh, um, image of a president that Trump was projecting. Hmm. And I had to get back to them and say, what about abortion? What about Israel? What about the persecuted church? What about religious liberty? What about the tax exemption of the churches? What about these different key issues that Biden will destroy our freedom? He'll destroy our economy. He doesn't know how to run an economy. He's been a politician all his life. All he knows is how to... Increase the size of government, not create jobs.
0: Yeah, I mean, forty-seven so, years in the swamp. Joe, Joe Biden has, been, if he hasn't done it by now, why would he all of a sudden, you know, be the hope for America? And he's already been in the swamp as a swamp creature for forty-seven years. He exactly. appeared, he appeared really coached, and he appeared uh, almost like somebody was kind of feeding him lines. I mean, you know, if I didn't know better, uh, you know, I don't want to get any type of conspiratorial thing, but I, he seemed extremely coached and uh, you know it seemed like somebody else was pulling the strings it wasn't joe biden and that would be the way that he would run the country is that he's really not in control he says he's the head of the democrat party but we know better there's a a really radical left that's now controlling the party and joe biden uh you know seems to be a pawn in their hands what do you think about that Chris?
1: well you know what the, the the fact is joe biden does not have the ability to say no to kamala harris who is radical left and to bernie sanders he, he's going to capitulate and this is going to be a disaster for America. If he gets it, the fact is that Joe Biden, um, you know, he, he's had years of debating, but he can't debate anymore. <laughs> that performance he did was not a debate. Right. And, and unfortunately, President Trump, you know, just kept interrupting and you couldn't let, You know, you couldn't see uh, uh, Joe Biden fully fall on his face. Uh, It's a very sad situation. Uh, The Democrats are in a real disadvantage because they really don't have a choice. Um, I was talking to somebody who was probably about 32, 33, and they watched the debate for about 35, 40 minutes and turned off. Right, which a lot and of people. Said, yeah. I I could not stand it. I couldn't take it. This is why I hate politics. I, I'm not going to watch any more debates. I don't know if I probably won't even vote. Mm. Those type of people need to be explained why it's in their self interest to right. get to the poll right. and what the truth about Joe Biden is and what the truth about uh, Donald Trump's policies are. Yes, these things need to come out. And it's not going to come out through big tech. It's going to come out from people on the grassroots. Yes. Neighbor talking neighbor, friend talking to friend, family talking to family, uh, people in churches talking to one another, the pastor talking. This is what's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be a grassroots effort that's going to be a grassroots effort of truth, a grassroots effort that says, uh, this is the best way to
0: vote your values. You're absolutely right. We see the boat parades. We see the car yeah. parades. We see spontaneous the rallies. You know, to yeah. me, that's the polls because we've seen in 2016, it seems to still be continuing that the polls were off. And so it seems as though President Trump is losing. But when you look at these rallies and you look at the boat parades and you look at the car parades and all the momentum, it's hard to believe because I haven't seen any of that for Joe Biden. Uh, So, Craig, I want want to segue in your book, and I think it's really important that we talk about the book, The Christian Voter, because you mentioned something very near and dear to my heart, and that's pastors and leaders that are not voting for the president because they really don't understand what's at stake. You mentioned religious liberties. Uh, I want you to talk about, if you can, these non-negotiables and what it means for a Christian. Because one thing that's very important to me is is that the Hispanic community, they're really value voters, you know, and uh, I'm just singling them out, but African-American community, same thing you know, and and for whatever reason, for many years, they've been in the Democrat Party because of the rhetoric and, you know, the Democrat Party is for Hispanics or, you know, Democrat Party is for African-Americans. But when the reality sets in, we look at the facts, like you say in your book, they're really value voters. So can you help break that down and talk about these non-negotiables?
1: Well, Todd, one of the great uh, things about being on your program right now, is talking about how to vote for not against your values. Yes. And and when I was looking at this election coming up, for many years, I've given talks to over 200,000 Christians on how to vote their values. I've done it to probably a half a million uh, uh, in the secular world on how to vote uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, properly and how to think about voting. And so, what I've learned is most people don't connect the dots that there is a way to vote your values, yeah. and and so overall, one the first thing uh, I do in talking in this book about how to vote is to strategically limit evil. Todd, you know, here's the thing: there's never a perfect candidate. That's right. Well, you know, whether you're a Republican or Democrat or Independent, you know. The fact is, every candidate is broken. They're marred by sin.
0: Yeah. They're
1: sinners. Say Some saved by grace, some not saved by grace, but they're sinners. And each candidate, you know, you can hear certain things that you agree with and certain things you don't agree with. That's right. And you can like how they sound or you could dislike how they sound. So how do you determine? Well, Todd, the best thing to do is to take a look at where they stand on at least seven non-negotiables. And we call this strategically limiting evil. This is a basic Christian principle of saying, you know, when you have two or more choices, how do you limit the evil? You may not promote the perfect good, but you can at least eliminate evil. So the way I explain this normally is this. Let's take the issue of abortion. With abortion, you know, the killing of the unborn is something as a moral imperative that as a nation we stop. Right. And and if I have a candidate who says, I want to have the taxpayers fund abortion, I want there to be abortion under any condition. Hmm. And then I have a second candidate, the candidate B, and that candidate B says, you know, I don't mind funding uh, abortion uh, with taxpayers' money, and I think it should be legal, but I'm opposed to partial birth abortion. Right, right. Well, what do you do? do you, 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 you could say, I'm not going to vote for either, but let's think about this. With stopping partial birth abortion, what is partial birth abortion? This is when you have a, a, a baby that could be viable outside the womb. The, baby, the doctor pulls the baby out by the legs yes. up to the head. They take the uh, uh, you know uh, scissors, and they cut into the head, and they suck out the brain, and then they pull the baby out. Now, if the baby had come all the way out, it would have been infanticide. But this gruesome, horrific act of partial birth abortion, most people are totally opposed to it. Most people are horrified by it. They, they, the states that are pro-abortion states have, have outlawed partial birth abortion. Yeah. If I'm full for the candidate that wants to stop partial birth abortion, I'm
0: strategically limiting the evil by saving baby lives. That's a great way to explain that, Craig. And, you know, the Supreme Court is so important in this strategically limiting okay. evil. You know, we now have another nominee up for yeah. uh, nomination in Amy Coney Barrett. And so it, it just goes in along what you're saying. If President Trump wasn't in office, this would have been the third person of the Supreme Court and over 200 judges. I know that's something you like to talk about. I didn't mean to interrupt you yeah. there, but, but uh, yeah, that's important. No, no, no,
1: let, let, let's talk about because the, the abortion issue, I'm strategically limiting evil. Now, let's talk about the non-negotiables. Where does a candidate stand? Joe Biden wants to put onto the Supreme court, ju- what's called a judicial activist, somebody who is a judge who uh, legislates from the bench. That's, right. That's not what the constitution has put, uh, put as the responsibility of the court, but we have judges now who ignore the legislature, ignore the vote of the people, they legislate from the bench right. and, and, and this is wrong. Versus a strict constructionist, somebody who interprets the Constitution but does not legislate from the bench. So right now, we have a a vacancy in the Supreme Court. And just like so many times in the past, in the last year uh, of the uh, president's term, an opportunity to put somebody on the Supreme Court has come up. President Trump has nominated a Christian strict constructionist. It's awesome. Yeah. This person will change the court. Right now, the court is tied. If this election goes uh, uh, in, in, into the courts and is challenged, it's a four-to-four it's a four tie because there's one missing court judge. Right. If we can put on one more strict constructionist, Trump has already put on two. That's transformational. That's unbelievable. That's helping change the nation for the next 30 years. If he can put on one more, then the strict constructionists can dominate the court. And that is a huge win for conservatives, Christians, and libertarians like never before. It will transform what's going on in the world today. And so the number one issue for Christians is the Supreme Court. Yeah, Because it, it involves our religious liberty. It re- involves so much more. And, and, and so that is a key reason to vote in this election for nothing else. To make sure that whoever is the next president, they can appoint probably two, maybe one, at least one or two new Supreme Court judges. And so we need to make sure that they uh, appoint strict constructionists. That's right. But Biden has the pressure of packing the Supreme Court. Yes, what this about. means, yeah, what this means is that he will put in two new judges to the Supreme Court, and those will be judicial activists, which will destroy the strict constructionists that Trump has put into place. Uh, this is a battle of our lifetime, and being able to make sure that uh, we have a Supreme Court for the next 30 years that will uphold our values.
0: That's right. And they're talking about making Washington, D.C. a state, making Puerto Rico a state. That, again, would uh, give them a supermajority in the Senate. They would have, you know, it would be so hard for the conservative side of the aisle to gain back power ever again. And then, you are you know, packing the court, all these different things that they want to do, ending the filibuster. I mean, I could just go on and on. Uh, so, you know, there's so many things at stake. Now, I, I know that I think that you and Shelly were recently down in D.C. Yes. when thousands of Christians converged on the National Mall lawn and uh, Franklin Graham led a, you know, a march and there was the return with Jonathan Cahn, uh, you know, so many different events. Uh, Jim Garlow had an event. You know, there's so many different things that happened. You know, in looking at that, looking how how America has, you know, repented, or at least we're trying, um, and all the different things, what is your outlook given all these different things we talked about today, do you feel optimistic? Do you think we're going to win? What are you thinking, Craig Ewing?
1: Well, with a couple hundred thousand people going on D.C. in such intense prayers, I'm optimistic because I believe in the power of prayer. Yes. And, and really, um, at the heart of everything, America needs uh, to ask for forgiveness. It needs to repent. There needs to be revival. That's our, our ultimate solution. But for this upcoming election with November, you know, again, going back to why I wrote this book, the book is a roadmap, how to vote your values. Right. The book is a roadmap on these seven non-negotiables. If any candidate doesn't agree with these non-negotiables, these are things like protection of Israel, protection of religious liberty, the persecuted church. Where do the candidates stand on these? The book gives the details. This is a book that people should buy not only for themselves but to give to their pastor, to give yes. to youth leader, to give people in home bible studies. If
0: we can get this book out to millions of Christians, it will change this election. That's right. And Craig, you this is years of information that you put together in this book. I know this didn't just come recently. This is years of research, years of what you've been doing out there. You take it from a nonpartisan stance, and yes. you're just basically saying, look, this is a Christian stance. We're looking from a Christian worldview. And so I know somebody watching this, you have friends, like you said, pastors, people that are unsure. They might still be in that mushy middle This is the kind of book we need to get in their hands so they understand what's at stake from a religious liberty standpoint. We talked about California. Churches are being fined. Pastors have been thrown in jail. Uh, We're seeing all different types of crazy, draconian, tyrannical things happening. We don't want to see this happen in the entire nation. And, Craig, I'll let you close out here, uh, you know, just a final thoughts. But uh, get Craig Huey's book. And, and Craig, what would you say as we get ready to close here?
1: Well, thanks. You know, people want to know what they can do in this election. Well, the ultimate thing is to vote. But I would say, try to help influence this election. And yes. the book I wrote, that Christian voter book, that will help people be able to be persuaded on how to vote. That's right. Let's get this message
0: out. And this is an easy way to do it. That's right. Uh, the book is called The Christian Voter, Seven Non-Negotiables for Voting for, Not Against Your Values. Craig, where can we find you on social media?
1: Okay, you can uh, get this on Amazon. Uh, if, uh, for, for your uh, podcast reader, listeners and, and viewers, to, uh, Todd, I'd be glad to sign a copy of it and give a special 10% discount. They can go to christianbook.com, christianbook.com, oh. and uh, I'll sign a copy of it. And uh, uh, so there's two major ways they can order the book. But, uh, and, and those who want to give this book out, to friends and neighbors and church members and pastors. We have a special discount for
0: getting the book in
1: bulk. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Craig, thank you for all the work that you're doing. I appreciate you as always and honor you. And uh, we'll be talking to you more again soon. Please go get this book, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. Craig, thank you.